message is on spiritual warfare. And we love to be uh, free in the Lord and, and just go as God would instruct us to do so. So today, we want to minister a couple of verses in your presence recorded in the gospel according to St. John. St. John, chapter number 10, verses 4 and 5. Would you just help me greet all those special guests who are gracing our presence today? Thank you for attending worship with us today here. Amen. From where you normally attend, we praise God for your presence. More than anything, we thank God for his presence in this place. Amen. The gospel according to St. John, chapter number 10, verses 4 and 5. If you're there, shout, I got it. Amen. If you come and say, I'll be there in a minute. All right. I'm under the impression it's already available on the screen for your observance. So let's read together. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I would love to use a thought this morning in your presence. Who's in your clique? Who's in your clique? Whose voice are you listening to? Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for assembling us together today in this place of worship. And we have done so, Father, for the purpose of worshiping you, for fellowshipping with the saints, for encouraging the body of Christ. Father, we pray that your word today would be embedded in the hearts of all listeners. If one person has graced our presence who is lost without you as Lord of their life, we pray the convicting power of the Holy Spirit would minister to their hearts, bring them to repentance, that through confession, salvation is accepted. Now, Lord, direct us in this service in the manner that glorifies you. And in the end, we will give your name all praise and honor and glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The body of Christ said amen. Amen. Who's in your clique? John begins to write um, and reveals to us the seven I am's of Jesus Christ deity. We understand that Jesus previously noted that I am the good shepherd. He's speaking to a religious group of Sadducees, Pharisees, and other religious leaders. And his attempt was to show his followers what shepherding looked like. What shepherding looked like. Jesus said a thief, in the previous verses, he only exists in a lifestyle of stealing for his own personal gain. And a robber in all his violent actions, amen, are those false shepherds who steal the joy and security of the people of God. How do they do that? Well, by taking from them and the false teachers by promoting false doctrine. These things drive people away from God. So it would be safe to say today that we live in a time where everybody has a message, where everybody has a revelation, an opinion, maybe even a theory or an idea or a point. As a matter of fact, television and radio offer us thousands of them. All of them trying to convince us to receive their words. Why? Because whenever we listen to individuals trying to convince us to receive their words, um, that voice is the voice that's directing our lives. If we give ear to that, 
over the course of time, those persons will have great influence and even gain control in our lives. So whose voice are we listening to? Who today is directing our lives? I want to reveal at least three sources. Number one, the Spirit of God. We listen to God's Spirit. Number two, we entertain satanic spirits. Or number three, we give ear to the human spirit. Amen? Now, the human spirit, friend of mine, is fleshly. It's carnal. It's ignorant of the things of God. Let's look together in Paul's writing to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile. In other words, they became pointless in their own thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Pastor, what is Paul trying to tell us? Paul, in this passage of Scripture, portrays the downward spiral of sin, my friend. Number one, Paul says the first thing we do is we reject God as our Creator. And we create our own ideas of what God should be and what God should do. I got news for you. God made us in His own image and in His own likeness. And we have never walked on all fours. Hello, somebody. Or looked like an animal of any kind. That would be a good place to shout amen. But the Bible said male and female, He created them. We are in the very image and likeness of God who is our creator. But God has told us through the great writer Paul that men in their futile thoughts, their pointless ideas, have begun to worship creation more than the creator. Can I get somebody to say praise God? We live in an age where thousands of voices are clamoring to be heard. Don't count satanic spirits out either because satanic spirits are not content to speak just outside the church or the assembly of the beloved. No, they've invaded the church and countless thousands are being deceived right now by false prophets all over the world. How does that happen? Immature believers who are void of discernment, they are influenced by these satanic spirits. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3 and 13. This is Paul again writing to a cohort in the ministry. You might as well say his son in the faith. And Paul says to him, if, if you backed up all the way to the beginning of chapter number 3, he said, know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. How many know we're living in perilous times? Matter of fact, let me get more uh, um, close to home. How many know we're living in the last day? Some people are confused that the last day is some distant event that is yet to take place. How many of us know today that ever since the, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been experiencing the last days? Amen. Jesus said, Brother Barnes, listen, this intensity, it, it's gonna, the heat's going to get turned up. Even more so as we see the coming of the Lord approaching. And you know, folk ask me all the time, Pastor, what other prophecy or prophecies have yet to be fulfilled before we could see Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven? And my immediate response is, not one. Amen. Not one. There's not one prophecy of the Word of God that is yet to be fulfilled before Jesus could make His triumphant reentry. My Lord, somebody. So what are you trying to tell us today? I'm trying to tell us that uh, Paul is saying this type of activity will gain momentum. In other words, it will build over the course of time. We have never lived in a more secular humanistic society than that which we live in today. Where people say that they have arrived on their own. 
That's because of all these voices that are clamoring or yelling out loud to be heard in this end time. Paul said, amen, this is going to happen. Well, I want to tell us that God speaks to us in numerous ways. He speaks to us in numerous ways. He speaks through dreams, through visions, through prophetic messages, and the list goes on. But how many of us know that when God does speak, that it is always in line with His Word? Would would I be safe right here to insert this point? God never contradicts His Word. I wish I had about three people that would help me. I said the Lord never contradicts His Word. Look at Psalm 138 and 2. The Bible says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your boy. I ain't the only one in here feels like running right now. Here's what the Bible said. God has valued his word more than his name. How many of you know, amen, that originally in the Hebrew that the name of God was so holy that they were terrified to even say it? Help me, Lord. And now God has used the psalmist to declare that he has placed more value on his word than his name. Oh, praise the Lamb of God, somebody. Hallelujah. Listen to me, friend. God's name encompasses everything about God. Isn't that right? And if God's word can be magnified, Brother Homer, if God's word can be lifted, pinch your neighbor, I give you permission. If God's word can be magnified, if God's word can be lifted, God's word can be trusted. Oh my somebody. I said if he can use the writer to declare that his word can be magnified. Brother Stephen, magnify means to make bigger. And if his name can be made bigger, his word rather, his word can be made bigger than his name, it can be trusted. Oh my somebody. One of our hang-ups is that we just don't literally take the word of God as the word of God. But how many of you know, in spite of our influence and even our intelligence, that this is forever settled in heaven? And not for a temporary time, but forever. Forever. How many of you know that God said, amen, he's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent? Numbers 23, 19. If I have spoken it, says the Lord, I will bring it to pass. Whoo, God have mercy. Hallelujah. Listen, God values his word above his name. If it can be lifted, if it can be magnified, it can truly be trusted. I'm talking about God when he speaks. But all too often we find ourselves hanging with the wrong cliques. Oh, Lord. We find ourselves listening to the wrong voices. My God. When we do so, It can lead us to some high-risk behaviors. I hadn't even told you what a click is. I somehow know that you know already. Brother Harold said, a.k.a. the in crowd. Oh, my. Webster's definition of the word click is a narrow, exclusive group held together by common interest. Okay, another word for click is circle. Here's one you'll appreciate. Clan. That's my clan. Another word for the word click. That's my gang. And already disclosed to us by Brother Hammonds, the in crowd. But I want to reveal to us today some ways that God speaks. Ways, methods, style, or manners in which God communicates to us as his people. Well, the primary way that God speaks, I've already held before you, is his 
written word. This is the primary way that God speaks to us. It can also be terminalized as the Holy Scriptures. Amen? It's the number one way. And through the years, what I've been taught is the safest way to interpret Scripture is with Scripture. Okay? It's wonderful to have outside resources. It's wonderful to have Greek and Hebrew concordances and dictionaries and so forth. But I'll tell you, there's some tricky languages. They can use uh, about three or four different words for one word. So you've got to be cautious to use the right word in the proper context when we read the Bible. I can bless somebody and tell you that the Bible is not a comic book. Some of y'all just read books for the pictures. But the Bible is not a comic book. And you can't speed read the Bible. Bless the Lord. But you've got to meditate on the Word of God. Then you have to pray and seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. That's a part of His ministry. If we desire direction from God, then the simplest thing for us to do is obey what He's already told us in His Word. If we'll obey what God has already told us in His Word, that's the surefire way to success. Amen? Somebody told me that they'd lived for so long for God and man, things just hadn't planned out the way they thought. And they looked at me, Brother Terry, they, Brother Jerry, they said, Pastor, I'm just not happy. I said, show me one place in the Bible. Show me one place in the entirety of the scriptures where God wants you happy. Because happiness depends on happenings. If everything's going your way, you're as happy as you can be. But if things turn south, you can get sour all of a sudden. Am I right, somebody? You know pastor doesn't even talk about happiness because that's something you get when you go to Carowinds or, you know, the county fair or something like that. And how many know that doesn't last year long? That's here for a few days and then it's gone. Preach, pastor. Amen. So if we desire direction from God, let's just do and obey what God has already told us in His Word. What God does want us to do is to be obedient. If we're obedient, that means comply with the rules and authority of another. If we're obedient to what God has said, there's no way that we won't be blessed. How many want to be blessed? How many want to be blessed? Praise the Lord. We want to be blessed. That's the remedy, to be blessed. But see, all too often as people, we got to be exempt and we got to be special. And, and, and when God speaks, it just can't be like you and I are in a casual conversation. When God speaks, it's got to be loud and it's got to be boisterous. And oftentimes it's got to be accompanied, Brother Tommy, with a great demonstration of power or else God hasn't spoken. Is that true? No, that's not true. That is not true. As a matter of fact, that is far from the truth. How do I know that? Because in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, the Bible affords us this information. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. To whom is the word of the Lord speaking here? The prophet Elijah. How do you know that Elijah was the prophet of God through whom God performed 16 miracles? 16 miracles. But in this episode in Scripture, we could call him the weary warrior. He's already confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and finds out that Jezebel is after his head. 
And when he finds that Jezebel is after his head, what does he do? He runs. Are you kidding me? A man that God has just used in a great demonstration of his power on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and he's scared of a woman? Y'all, sometimes the Bible puzzles the best of us, doesn't it? Amen? He's scared of Jezebel. He's a weary warrior. At this time, he has exhausted or poured every ounce of his strength into his work for God. Anybody ever felt like that? That you have just exhausted the fiber of your existence to the glory of God for the work of the ministry? That's how Elijah felt. So what does he do? He flees to the desert and collapses under possibly utter exhaustion, maybe even discouragement. Some say even possibly depression okay Jezebel is coming to take his life you know what he thinks brother Mike he thinks at that time that he's the only prophet that hasn't bowed a knee to Baal but is he in for a rude awakening if we research the scriptures we'll find that Obadiah has hidden several prophets And there's at least seven more thousand that haven't bowed a knee to Baal. So what am I saying? I'm telling us here at Harvest Church, when we think that we're the Lone Ranger, we're the only one in the fight, God's got more for us than that are against us. Amen? Amen. So don't don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. Amen. Stay in the fight. God is speaking, but are you listening? God's speaking. Are you listening? Oh, hallelujah. Look at Joshua 1 and 5. The great military mind and strategist of the people of God, the nation of Israel. He's appointed to serve as Moses' successor in leading this group of people into the land of promise. You think he's afraid? Yeah, after all, he's not talking about fighting, which you know he's not afraid of. He's not afraid of fighting. But what he's afraid of is leading. Amen. He's afraid of leading. And God says this to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. For as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Good Lord have mercy. Whoa! How many has ever got you a couple cc's of that when you felt down and out? How many of you have got up and took a, a, a capsule of that in the morning, amen? When you felt down and out, when you felt discouraged, when you felt brokenhearted, when you felt downtrodden, amen? How many of you have ever gained strength from the latter clause in this verse? I will not leave you and neither will I forsake you says the Lord. Hallelujah. Sometime, glory to God, you got to cheer your own self up. Amen to God. Just like David returning to the camp at Ziklag and finding it burned and his wife and his children gone. What did the Bible say David did? The Bible said those men lifted up their voices, Brother Tedrick, and they cried till they couldn't cry anymore. Amen. When what you have is gone, when what you love is taken away, it will move you to action. And the Bible said that David said... Bring me the the linen ephod. Bring me the priestly garment. I want to inquire of the Lord. Oh, my God, hallelujah. And when David inquired of the Lord, some of y'all said David wasn't a priest. He didn't have any business with a priestly garment. The Bible said he was a type of Christ. And then Paul said that Christ was higher than the order of Melchizedek, the priest and the king of Salem. Am I right? So, amen, David was typifying or he was symbolizing that of Jesus Christ. And when David put on that linen ephod and he inquired of the Lord, can somebody tell me, did he hear from God? I said, did he hear from God? And when he heard from God, what did God tell him? Sit there and do nothing? Did God say, sit there and twiddle your thumbs? And I'm going to make them bring them back? No. God said, get up and go after them. Amen. And when you do, you will overtake them and you will recover all. Yeah, that's a good place to praise him. Yeah. That's a good place to praise him. 
Man, you can turn from, listen, things can go from sugar to syrup real fast. Are you with me? And you can go from hero to zero real quick. Do you know not just moments ago, they were shouting as David entered the cities, Saul has slain his thousands, but there he is. He has slain his tens of thousands. They're worshiping David. In a moment, his band of merry men, as few as about 600 of them, were ready to kill him because his wives and his children, along with their wives and children, had been taken. But what did David do? Did he sit around and go into depression? He wasn't calling Brother Arbus, I needed this and I needed that and I need. I'm going to keep it real with you. You can get upset with me if you want to. There are more Christians on drugs than the world. Hello? Let's keep it real. Let's be honest. Those things that we took to God in prayer before, now we look to a pill bottle. The Bible says if there's any sick among you, good God Almighty, let them call for the elders of the church. And the Bible said they'll anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And it would do what? I can't hear nobody. The prayer of faith would do what? It would heal the sick. And if they have sinned, they would be forgiven. Woo, my God, have mercy. Preacher, you better not discourage nobody from taking medication. Somebody in here on high blood pressure pills, and they'll go home and have a heart attack. I didn't tell none of you not to take your medicine. I didn't tell a single one of you not to take your medicine. All I simply said was every time you feel an ache, every time something just don't sit right, don't go to the doctor and need a pill. That's all I said. We're our own worst enemies. We battle the human spirit. Preach, preacher. Hallelujah. Do you know that you can take comfort in knowing this? That in doing the will of God, the same promise that God made to Joshua and all of Israel applies to us today. Can you take comfort in that? As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Well, once in a while I like to, whoa, glory to God, I like to think of what God accomplished through Moses. And it don't matter what kind of hell I'm going through. All I've got to do is just rely on this promise of God. Amen? Rely on this promise of God. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Mm. Here's the problem with us. We frequently want to hear a word from God when he's already spoken. We want to ask everybody in our clique, in our exclusive, narrow circle, our clan, our crowd. We want to ask them, what do you think about it? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. What really matters is what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Isn't that what matters? That's what really matters, saints of God. You see, we want to hear something that God has already said. Let me just, let me just give you a scenario. You're like the weary warrior Elijah, and you've exhausted yourself in the work of the ministry, and you've got, you see a slot on your calendar, and it's not filled with to-dos. And you start pondering in your mind, should I go to the mission field or take my family to Disney World? Process this. Process this. Should I take my family on the mission field? Or should I go to Disney World? And, and, and here's the next thought the enemy provokes into your mind. You deserve it. You worked hard for the Lord. You've exhausted yourself. You deserve it. What really needs to be applied in this situation is wisdom wisdom 
What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Well, knowledge is information gained. That's what we've applied ourselves to careful study and examination of the Word of God. And we have acquired wisdom. Knowledge. Knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Exercising wisdom is when you apply what you've learned. We're creatures of habit. Man, years ago, those folks would buy them big hams and cut them in half. Y'all heard the story. You're like, why are you cutting that ham in half? Well, my mama did it. Her mama did it. Her mama before. She had an easy bake oven. Stoves were about this big. I mean, now those things are huge. So why cut it in half? We look for answers when we already know them. So applying wisdom. Amen. We all too often calculate choices unnecessarily. If God's already told us in His Word, we already know. All we need to do is place ourselves, condition our lives to the point that we know when God speaks. And when God speaks, we are set to hear His voice and obey His voice. Would it be beneficial for you to take your family on a mission trip? Well, absolutely. Would it be relaxing to take your family to Disney World? Sure. So here's where you're going to have to apply wisdom. You're going to have to apply wisdom. I said at the onset of today's service that there are thousands of voices clamoring out there to be heard. TV and radio project a number of them. Am I right? Lauren Daigle, great gospel recording artist. She starts the song, You Say, with these words. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. You hear it? Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. And more than just the sum of every high and every low. Remind me once again who I am because I need to know. And the chorus says, you say, good Lord, woo, hallelujah, you say, I am loved. When I can't feel a thing, you say I am strong. When I think I am weak, you say I am held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong. You say, I am yours. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds just to praise him right there. Hallelujah. If you know, if you know today, hallelujah, with all those voices yelling to be heard, you hear the voice of God say, you are loved. You belong to me. Hallelujah. What greater, man, what greater comfort is that? You say. So does it matter what everybody else says after God has said? Not for a second. Brother Jerry said this last night. It bears repeating. You are not what people call you. You are only what you answer to. Amen. The world can say whatever. The world don't know me. The world didn't know Jesus because he was not of the world. But the Father knows who I am. Sister JJ said to me this morning. As we began our meet and greet session, she said, oh, I'm so excited. I have some good news to tell you. And I'm just, I'm just, hey, look, I'm dialed in. Right then she said, the president of Brazil got saved yesterday. Hallelujah. What? Hallelujah. What? Hallelujah. The president of Brazil got saved yesterday. You know what she said it was a direct result of? Missionaries. She said it was a direct result of what God is doing here and causing missionaries to go to that land and, and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now a national leader has accepted the gift of salvation. I said we need to keep praying that everybody else does. Hallelujah. But thank God for what the Lord is doing in the world.
You say, Pastor, it's pretty tough, man. I hear all these voices shouting to me. How do I recognize God's voice? How do I recognize God's voice? To recognize means to identify someone or something. Most of the time because you've had a previous encounter with them. How many in here has ever seen God? Not at any time. Not at any time. We've seen evidence of God. We've seen the effects of the wind just a few days ago. But we don't know where it came from. We just know that it is. And that's just like God. He has no beginning. He has no end. Amen. He is. Glory to God. The Bible tells us that our world is filled with people who follow the wrong voice. Several people in the Bible have missed God's blessings and even ruined their lives because they followed the wrong voice. You don't have to look far in the Bible to find the first case of individuals who entertained the wrong voice. Where is it? Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. The Bible said the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God. Wow. Boy, the devil really had it going on, didn't he? Huh? You're going to be like God. You'll have the ability to know good and evil. How many know they already knew the ability? They already had the ability to know good and evil. Right? The woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and also gave to her husband with her and he ate. First episode of listening to the wrong voice. We talked last week about how demons didn't look ugly. They don't have hands, feet, eyes, ears, nose. They don't have all this stuff. If they're going to manifest themselves or make themselves known, it's going to be in something beautiful, alluring, and attractive. Right? Brother Anthony said in Sunday school this morning, we watched horror movies and they depict evil spirits and creatures as these ugly, deformed stuff. You know, it, it scares people. I just have to tell you, I, hadn't, I haven't been one of those people that every time I'd hear the door crack, I'd run to see what it was. Just not me. Just not me. But if the enemy's going to manifest himself, it's going to be through something beautiful. After all, Satan and demonic spirits are masters of deception. Right? We said weeks ago they masquerade as angels of light, spiritual ministers, and they deceive a lot of people. That's why, Brother Stephen, we should cultivate a life of discernment. What is discernment? Pastor, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure that I really even understand what discernment is. Well, not, as, not only is discernment uh, the ability to know right from wrong, discernment is the ability to make good choices. To make good choices. We need to cultivate and nurture a life of discernment. Satan's not going to present himself as something ugly. That would scare most people. But it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be attractive. It's going to be alluring and enticing. Right? That's how the enemy works. Is this, is this the move that he pulled on Adam and Eve? Of course it is. So what does that tell us about serpents? They weren't afraid of them in that day. Okay? They entertained the conversation. Satan kind of twisted the word of God on them. And before you knew it, they were partaking of the forbidden fruit. Well, how did that happen? Well, first, 
the first thing that the, that the devil did is he attacked the character of God. Didn't he? He misquoted God's instructions. And then he denied the truth of God's word. Lastly, he accused God of jealousy. Right? And I want to tell you what that ultimately produces. Sin ultimately produces separation from God. God and sin can't cohabitate. Don't y'all know that's why he kicked the devil out of heaven? How many of you know that a bunch of people walking right here talking about they saved God? They, God is far from them. I didn't hear many amens there. I said a lot of folk professing salvation, God's nowhere near them. Because sin abides in their lives. Now, I'm not the judge. God's the judge. But Jesus said, wherefore by their fruits shall you know them. Amen. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I want to tell us, sin produces separation from God. Let's move on. In Numbers 13, 21 through 31, we're afforded the story of the first generation of the children of Israel. As they are sent to spy the land of Canaan. God has already promised them this land flowing with milk and honey. So there's a representative from each tribe of the 12 tribes. They form this posse. And they're going out to spy the land of Canaan. I'm going to paraphrase this. That's a pretty little lengthy piece of scripture. But in your leisure, would you please take the time to read this passage of scripture. Numbers 13, 21 through 31. What we're going to find is is they released these 12 spies to go out and report their findings from what they see in the land of Canaan. I'm going to paraphrase this. Now, the Bible said, the Bible said they cut down a cluster of grapes. Wouldn't, wouldn't most of us call that a tag? Wouldn't most of us call that a tag? Come here, Brother Dwayne, I need you to help me. Come here, uh, Brother Chancellor, I need you to help me. If I had a pole, I got a pole. Take that off the bottom right there. Now they go into this land of Canaan. And the Bible said in their spying. It was on there wasn't it? In their spying the Bible said. That they brought back a cluster of grapes. You grab that in. Now you grab this in. And that tag of grapes was so big. That these boys had to carry it on a pole. Some of y'all need to shout, glory to God. Woo! I said, some of y'all need to shout, glory to God. The land that God promised them. Walk around and let them see them grapes. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Are you getting this? Are you getting to send out 12 spies? And they cut a cluster of grapes. And they are so big. They carry them on a pole. It wouldn't take but one grape. You wouldn't even need a cluster for yourself. Hallelujah, saints of God. My Lord, are y'all getting this? Do these boys need to show y'all them grapes anymore? You got to have an eye of faith now. You got to have an eye of faith. They cut a cluster of grapes, put it on a pole, and it's paraded in front of the nation of Israel. This is what God, <laughs> this is what God got for us. Lord have mercy. How many of y'all know sometimes the majority don't know nothing? Can I preach? Boys, y'all can quit toting grapes. It's all right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And they come back to Israel. They show them this. And ten of the boys said, we, we can't take that land. We saw the sons of Anak there. 
The Anakims were giants, you know, like where Goliath came from. Israel looking at a cluster of grapes on a pole. And worrying about a giant. They just saw two of them. But the Bible said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm talking about recognizing the voice of God now. I'm talking about recognizing when God speaks. But how many of you know in that 12, there were two that really had it? How many of you know there were two that really believed God was who he said he was? How many of you know that Joshua and Caleb were in the number of that 12 who went out to spy the land? And when that group of 10 said, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can take that land. Joshua said, come on. We're more than able to take the land. Let's go. Y'all not hearing me, somebody. I want to tell you that they had grapes in their hands and doubt in their hearts. Grapes in their hands and doubt in their hearts. Oh, oh, but the sons of Anak were there. And they were giants. They were big. They were massive. There was no way they could take. Let me tell you something. God's not in the business of hiding his will from you. Was it the will of God they take the land? Did he not promise them that he would go before them? Yes, he did. But what happened? Ten, amen, said we can't do it. Ten said we can and two said we can. Does that happen in church today? Does that happen in church today? Not only in church, it happens in other settings as well. The first generation of the children of Israel, they listened to doubt and not to faith. They did not clearly hear the voice of God, for God's not in the business of concealing his will from us. Somebody said, what is the will of God? Has he left me something? No. No. The will of God is the plan of God. The purpose of God, the intention of God for your life. That's the will of God. He wants to show us the right path in which to take. He wants to show us. God is speaking. Saints, are we listening? How about the story given to us? In 1 Samuel chapter number 3, of the son of Hannah, whose name was Samuel. Talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't I? We talk about little Samuel. Anybody know how Samuel came to be? His mother desired a child. Prayed for him. Okay? Hannah's husband was Elkanah. You know it was a disgrace not to have children. She was probably the laughing stock of her community. She didn't have children. But she desired a child from God. And she prayed so hard that one day the priest saw her and thought, something's wrong with this woman. Because I see her lips moving, but she's not saying anything. Right? How many know there can become times in your life when you pray and you exhaust words? And the Holy Spirit will speak for you. Isn't that what Paul said? This woman's praying, but no words are coming out. But how many of you know even God understood that? God understood that. Because in his timing, somebody say in his timing. God blessed Hannah with a son. Hannah said, we're going to call him Samuel. And the same way that I promise you I would dedicate him to your service when he is of age to be weaned, I'm going to take him to the house of God and submit his life to the service of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, God always knows what he's doing. He don't need a committee. Hello? God always knows what he's doing. The musicians are coming. The Word of God tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Sure enough, Hannah takes young Samuel to the house of God to Eli the priest. He's weaned. Okay, Lord, here he is. He's just sleeping in the priest's quarters. And one night he hears a voice call out to him, Samuel. You know the story. 
He jumps up and he runs into the priest and says, you called? No, I, did, I, I haven't called. He lay back down and he hears the voice again. Samuel runs to the priest. You called? No, I haven't called you. But it's in this instant that Eli realizes that God is speaking to Samuel. How many know if you've never heard anything like that before? You're going to be as amazed as he was. He'd never heard the voice of God. But how many know after God speaks a number of occasions, you'll get on the right frequency? Amen. And when God spoke again, the priest said, respond in this manner. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Anybody know what God used Samuel to do? He did what? He anointed Israel's first kings. Yeah. He anointed Saul. He anointed David as the king of all Israel. You see, his whole life, Samuel had been taught about God. There's a lot of us in this room. Our whole lives, we have been taught about God. But it's something entirely different than knowing God through a personal relationship. Yeah. Knowing God through a personal relationship. Let me say this to you. Gideon is another person. A valiant warrior. Spoke of him a few weeks ago. Mighty man of valor. The Bible labels him. God had already used Gideon to do some great things. God further instructs Gideon of other great things he wants to do. But how many of you know on top of being a mighty man of valor, Gideon was just a person like you and I. So Brother Ernie, he immediately seeks God for proof. He wants proof. He wants proof. Okay? So he tells the Lord, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm lay out a fleece. And in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground dry. Did God do it? But was that enough? Gideon said, Lord, I got to have more proof. So in the morning, I want the fleece to be, Lord, have mercy, and the ground to be wet. Stand with me. Can I encourage somebody in this room today? Can I? Can I encourage you? If you know what God has already said, there's no need to ask for further proof. If you understand through the pages of this word what God has already said, there's no need for further proof. I told Sister JJ this morning after she told me the president of Brazil got saved. I said, we need to pray that all the leaders in the world get saved. Amen. 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 Can I bless you and tell you we need all the leaders in Robinson County saved? Amen. Oh, Lord, somebody. Hello? Does the Bible not declare when the righteous rule, the land is blessed? That's the word of God. I, I didn't say. The Bible said that. The Bible said when the ungodly rule, the land suffers. So how many praying for our leaders? I promise you he didn't pay me to put this plug in for him today. I promise you this. But President Donald Trump would appreciate your prayers. Do you pray for him? I pray for him. I pray for leaders of all the countries around the world. Do I know what God's word's already said? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I believe what God's word has already said. And God's word said, pray for them. Didn't it? God's word said, pray for them. And I promise you, right now in Robinson County, amen, 
Leaders need our prayer. Our sheriff needs our prayer. Come on, y'all. Amen. They need our prayer. They can't combat this war on sin by themselves. They need our prayer. How many of you know, amen, that legislators need our prayers? How many of you know those serving in the jurisdiction system? They need our prayers. They need the prayers of the church, amen? They need to be saved in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where they can execute discernment and good judgment and decision-making. Y'all looking at me like a puppy in a new fence. But I'm telling the truth today. Listen, I don't want to say this and it just float over the top of your head. I'm saying this because I know when God speaks. I recognize, Brother Brandon, God's voice. And God is saying to me, a spiritual leader, to promote prayer for our leaders. We need to pray for them. Lord, heaven knows we need to pray for our educators. We need to pray for those in the public school system. We need to pray for moms and dads with children who are unlearned in the ways of God. It's shocking how many parents don't bring their children to church. We need to pray for them. But I promise you this much. We can recognize the voice of God and we will be better at being able to distinguish His voice if we position ourselves to listen when He speaks. To listen when He speaks. You say, Pastor, could God speak to us audibly? He's God. He can do anything. Yes, He can speak to us audibly. He can speak to us individually. Nothing is beyond God's power to do, but most commonly, He speaks through His Word. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then the Bible said, how shall we hear if we have not a preacher? That's the Bible. We need to come to the house of God. We need to come to church. Amen? So with all those voices yelling to be heard in our world today, we must not give in to anyone else than the voice of God you see when we let other people decide what we do and how we behave this is exactly what the devil wants us to do I promise you this the voice that we listen to is the voice that determines our success or failure amen It determines our success or failure. I'm going to leave you with this question. Whose voice are you listening to? Heads about, eyes are closed all over this auditorium. Right now, whose voice are you listening to? We even want to complicate the gift of salvation. And the Bible said all we have to do is believe. The Bible said he that cometh to God must believe that he is that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Would there be one person under my voice today in total transparency, nobody's looking but me, one person in this room who would lift your hand and say, today I am lost without Jesus Christ. Please pray for me. God bless you, darling. Someone else, God bless this hand. Anyone else, God is is watching. God bless these hands. God bless these hands all over the building. It's not my heart neither my desire to embarrass a living soul but you need to know Jesus died to save you you need to know that he loves you unconditionally and that he stands right now ready to receive you as his son or daughter I'm going to pray for you those hands that were extended I've already formed a visual of you in my mind and I will be praying on your behalf to God now I want to talk to the church How many saints in this room have been listening to the wrong voices? Come on, let's just be be transparent in the presence of the Lord. How many of us today have entertained wrong voices? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many of you would come to the altar of God today to find relief that you need? He's a good father. Yeah, he's a good father. And the Bible said he longs to bestow good gifts.
upon those he loves. So God's not angry with you today. No, he's a loving, forgiving, faithful father. Anyone would desire to come. Can I pray with you from here? Can I pray with you? Let's approach the Lord's throne together. Can we? Come on, darling. Praise the Lord. Come on. Somebody else will take a leap of faith.